We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hi friends and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host Bethany Lee and this is episode 350. Our guest today is a professional Grand Prix show jumper and advanced level eventer, which I find really interesting when there is a rider who can cross between multiple disciplines. She began her career in eventing and a job working for a professional Grand Prix show jumper really helped her develop the skills in both disciplines and prepare her for showing in both. She now competes in both with a passion for developing horses and building her career as a professional. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Charlotte Babbitt. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, give me the full rundown. How did you first get started in the horse world? So I was born and raised in California. um, And so I wasn't like super, I wasn't in a very horsey area, but I think pretty much as any little girl does, she wanted to take riding lessons. Um, And when I said that, my mom jumped at it because she rode as a kid and into her young adulthood. Um, And so I think she was really excited that I wanted to ride horses. And so immediately I started taking lessons and I was quite young at the time, I think probably five or six. And it was never very consistent because of the lack of resources in that area. Mm. Um, But as I grew older, I got more and more into it. Um, My cousin is a five-star level three-day event rider. Um, So I kind of started watching her career and decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I met a couple girls through the barn as I started riding more and taking more lessons that eventually as well that were going through the young rider ranks. And so that's kind of what I set my goals um, for. And so I think I got my first horse when I was 10 um, and just did like lower level eventing. He wasn't much of an event horse. So a few years later, um, I got another event horse that was my first preliminary horse. Um, The first one I just did mostly dressage on and then a little bit of eventing. But um, so I was kind of going towards young riders and had my sights set on it for that year. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but that horse kind of decided it didn't want to event at the upper levels anymore either. So that's when I ended up um, buying my advanced horse he was four and a half at the time um I at that point had actually moved away from my family when I was 14 so that I could be in an area that had uh, more resources closer to central California I was in um, the North Bay actually Mm. but most of the eventing was um kind of central and southern California and so I just moved closer and lived with a couple different families. I rode with Andrea Pfeiffer, a chocolate horse farm. And so she kind of put everything I know of, of a base in me. She was amazing. And she helped me bring the horse 2am, we call him Abe in the stable, um, up through, I think the intermediate level, she got me to young riders. I went there in 2019, I believe. 
which was fun. It was a cool experience. I did win it. So that was <laughs> awesome. But so that was for three day eventing. And then that's kind of when I went to college later that fall and went and started riding with Tammy Smith. So I was there for about a year and a half until she took one of her kind of annual trips out east. And so I tagged along and got out here and realized how much I loved it and <laughs> decided to base out here. Um, I'd run a couple advanced at the time on Abe and got out here and he actually got very, very sick from a gentamicin allergy um, and went into anaphylactic shock and almost died. So that was difficult. Uh, that was a couple of years ago now. Wow. And so that's kind of why I stayed east for the time period because he was in the hospital and couldn't travel and was pretty much deathly ill for two and a half months. But he's still here. <laughs> Um, and I think later that year, that was 2021, I started working for Will Simpson, um, the Olympic show jumper, and fell in love with just the pure show jumping. And ever since then, I've kind of just been show jumping. I went back to the eventing for a little bit uh, here the past year, took a back out. He was able to kind of be all the odds. No one ever thought he'd be able to event again. He has some breathing issues and only has one jugular vein now from as a result of being so sick. Wow. So he he kind of beat everyone's odds. He's a bit of a unicorn. <laughs> he's my best friend. And so he vented the past year, but he's just doing dressage now. I um I ran a long form out in this spring and he just it was very clear that he it just took too much out of his body being that sick. And he just didn't seem his happy self to me doing the fitness and Right. And doing all the work that goes into being an advanced level event horse. And so uh, he absolutely loves the dressage. And so it's been super fun playing with him with that. I think he'll probably debut out at, I don't know what the qualifications are for dressage, but he's about ready to do a pre-St. George at the moment. So nice. that's super fun. And wow. I've had uh, about a little over a year ago, I imported a show jumper um, for myself and I, have been working with her. Uh, we've been doing the National Grand Prix this summer. Started, I like hadn't even, I jumped like a 120, I think, um, before I got her. And over the past kind of winter circuit and this summer circuit, we've stepped up to the 140s, 145s. And just Love. a couple weeks ago, did our first 150 National uh, Grand Prix. Wow, that's so exciting. So. <laughs> um, rewinding a little bit, early on, obviously you yeah. had to make a decision to move away from your family to pursue yeah. these kind of, you know, equestrian dreams. What was that decision like for you? Obviously being so young, being 14 and what, what did you feel like were the, not only like riding and like equestrian life adjustments, but what was, what was life like, you know, moving away? Yeah, it was tricky. You know, um, I, it was right before I started high school. Well, I went, I went to my senior year of high school, but other than that, my first three years, I was just online. Um, so it was definitely an adjustment. I had a little bit of family kind of in the, in the North Bay area where I moved to. Um, but pretty much just uh, the people I was living with and Andrea kind of took me in. She's like my second mom. And so it, it was an, it was a huge adjustment, honestly. Um, I've always been quite independent, but when I made the decision to move, I had to basically decide 
to stop playing basketball. I played basketball quite seriously all through um, kind of my youth. And it was getting to the point where I really needed to go one route. It wasn't fair to be on team sport and be playing basketball at the level I did and also be leaving to go horse show so often. And it wasn't fair to my horses that I had basketball practice all the time. So that was probably the toughest part of the decision was choosing one. And I mean, honestly, I don't think it was that much of a decision. I was so dedicated to the horses. I love it. But at the time, it it seemed real serious. (laughs) Um, Definitely. So I don't regret it at all. But uh, it it, it was tricky. You know, um, I... I wasn't super close to either of my parents. My mom was super, super supportive of and, and still is of the horses and everything I've done. My dad at the time wanted me to play basketball. <laughs> so that was a little bit tricky kind of having to navigate my relationship with him through yeah. choosing uh, horses. You know, he didn't have he, his family is not horsey at all. And so it's actually been cool kind of as I've grown up. Uh, having more of a relationship with him with the horses. He is Abe's favorite human being. Like the horse is pretty tricky on the ground and I will let my dad hand walk him. Wow, <laughs> like, that's so cool. It's, it's so cute. And my dad's super into it now and he loves it all. And so, but I think it, it was, it was quite tricky, like leaving your parents. I mean, it was, I was 14. Like yeah. I should have been going in high school and, and being super close to my family and stuff like that. And I, was kind of just like, you know what, I want to do this and, and I'm going to prioritize it. And I've carried that throughout the, you know, the most recent part of my life is that I do prioritize my career and the horses and everything else. And it's, I'm very, very lucky to have a family that understands that and supports me in doing that. Definitely. Because it really is the most important part of my life. So totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've mentioned that Abe is your best friend, he's your heart horse, and that you'll make different goals so that you guys are both having fun and enjoying your job. I feel like that's such a good mindset. And we don't hear about that often enough about, you know, changing your goals with your partners. Um, So how do you how do you remain flexible with your goals, especially when you are obviously wanting to um, continue to grow and do more and do more is kind of the the natural progression. Um, so, so how do you remain flexible with that? And what do different goals with a look like now? Yeah. So, you know, I think like, that's an interesting question. Like I, um, when I started working for Will Simpson, I, um, had four event horses actually at the time and uh, a couple young horses, a sales horse and Abe. Um, he was just starting to flat at the time coming back from being sick. Um, so I started working and I just absolutely loved the show jumping, um, and loved the job and everything else. And so I actually, uh, sold the young horses and started show jumping the sales horse. And once Abe was able to start jumping, actually show jumped him. Um, and so that was, I think beginning of last year. Um, and so did winter circuit with those horses. I sold the sales horse and that's when I ended up buying my mare. We call her Annie in the stables. Her name is Vivian blue. We went to Europe and bought her, but it was interesting. So, um, I currently, I work for Clark Montgomery and he was also working for Will Simpson at the time. And so I was kind of able to see the shift. He went from eventing, obviously went to Rio um, had a super, super successful eventing career and has since switched to show jumping 
And so I was able to see that switch and the business side of things, in my opinion, and what I've observed and learned the business side is much more lucrative in show jumping. And so looking at it being a career for me, I saw a lot of value in that. And so that's kind of when my perspective shift just to show jumping. And like I said, I was show jumping Abe, but he's so good on the flat. And I I really didn't want to give up eventing fully with him. He wasn't, he's not like he doesn't have the scope to be a 140 show jumper. So I was kind of at that point when we were starting to jump over bigger tracks and stuff and he wasn't quite up to the task. I sat down with Clark and I was like, what do we do? You know, I, I, like, I won't sell him. I've had him six or seven years now and he's like part of me. He'll never, ever, ever leave my family. And so luckily Clark understood that and he was like, you know, like, let's try eventing him again. And so that was last fall. And so we kind of stepped back into that. Um, and I'm super lucky, obviously, to ride with and work for Clark because he has the eventing background. He's one of the best flat riders I've ever seen. And he obviously is a show jumper now as well. So um, kind of got a pretty cool package and having him as my coach and mentor. But he, like Abram in advance this spring and then ran the uh, intermediate long format at the horse park down here in Ocala and he was you know happy to do it he did well I had a 20 at the long just because he got real tired and I just know him and I know that he tried his absolute best for me and it's still like it, it was too much for him and so I kind of had to evaluate again and I think it's easier for me to shift my goals and shift my perspective with him because I do have a horse like Annie that I'm jumping the big classes in the Grand Prix, kind of able to have more of a business and build my reputation and build a career with her and then have Abe just be my heart horse. He's a bit of a hobby horse at the moment, honestly, just because yeah. he is my friend and he's really good at whatever he puts his mind to. But I, I refuse to force him to do anything. I, like I said, how sick he was, no one thought he was going to live. Like wow. he, the best internist in the country at Peterson and Smith saved him. And, and they said that they've never seen a sicker horse. I got a call pretty much every morning for, he was in the hospital for 30 days and they'd be like, you need to come say bye. And I'd get there and you know, it was probably like the first two weeks and I'd get there and he'd just perk up just enough. I'm like, wow. I don't know him. He's, he's not like, he's not ready to die. He hasn't given up. And so I know that he lived for me. Like I know that if I, I literally spent every single minute, they would allow me to be there for visiting hours there with him. And I would just sit in the stall and just sit there yeah. all day. <laughs> and I would just tell him that he can't leave me, <laughs> that I needed him. <laughs> um, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. But he, he is really like a super special horse and he's very talented. He's not the most talented, but He's been there for me through everything I've ever been through in my life. And I know that he only lived to be my horse. And so I, I refuse to do wrong by him. And I refuse mm -hmm. to push him to do anything he doesn't want to do. And it's so cute, actually. He, We've been working on him on, with the dressage. And, like, I can just say good boy. And, like, he does it better. Like, he's, like, he loves it so much. And he's always been tricky on the flat eventing. And it's mm. funny that now that we're challenging him to do, I mean, he does like massage and pee off and pirouettes and 
he's getting his changes down quite well to the tempies and like he just loves it <laughs> who would have thought that's so cool oh, <laughs> so, i love that um, it's it's easy to change my perspective when it's he's my best friend and i'm not i'm not trying to base a career on him and that's something that i think if he was the horse the only horse i had that i was trying to base my career on i think it would be quite tricky sure because it's hard to to shift that much but i'm super super lucky to have another horse and to be in ocala and have the exposure i have and be able to kind of just go with the flow with him and the way I see it now is, uh, you know, being a little bit in the dressage, I can kind of have a career in both the show jumping and the dressage, like the sales and, and dressage can be quite um, financially lucrative as well. And so just trying to see whatever paths I can make for my career that can make me the most successful and ultimately get me to my end goal of, of being on the you know world stage competing. Right. Totally. In the summer months, I feel like a lot of places that we horse show also tend to have lots and lots of rain. And it's always the worst when you have, you know, a hot summer day with a bunch of rain and you also have a bunch of rain gear. And it's just like the worst feeling in the world, being hot and raining and disgusting and gross. But I want to talk about weather or not equestrian, because if you have not tried their breeches, Oh my gosh, I am putting you on to a life-changing material that is absolutely so revolutionary, and I feel like everyone needs a pair, if not several, whether or not equestrian breeches. First of all, they are waterproof, and I know when I say waterproof, you say, okay, Bethany, like maybe like a little sprinkle or like get some water on them and it's fine. No, they actually, their fabric passed rain test AATCC 35,000. I don't know what that means, but after looking it up, it tests, it really like measures the resistance to the penetration of water by impact. I, again, read this, read this on their website, looked it up to actually see what the heck it was. Still didn't believe it. So I have a couple pairs and I put them on, went right to the barn, into the wash rack, and I ran the hose over my leg. And I was absolutely shocked how the water literally ran off my leg. Normal, you know, like riding breeches, not to mention they fit so well. They're so stretchy. They're so flattering. There's a zipper in the back, um, you know, right below your waist um, band that literally holds your phone so you don't have to like wear anything or have worry about your phone slipping out of your pocket. It's just like so well made. And to top it off, the fabric is not only comfortable, stretchy, incredible, it's literally rain resistant, which is just, I think, so revolutionary for our sport. So you've heard enough from me blabbering on. You need to go try them for yourself because I didn't believe it until I tried them for myself. So go visit their website. It's wonequestrian.com. So whether or not equestrian.com. Again, that's wonequestrian.com. Get yourself a pair of these breeches and tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. They changed my life and I cannot wait to ride in them in Florida and in Kentucky all summer. I mean, truly, thanks to whether or not equestrian, rain does not have to freak you out anymore. So go check them out. 
you will not be sorry. Let's uh, talk to me a little bit about discipline transitions, because I feel like it's not super, super common that you switch disciplines right. for, for someone who's maybe only has experience in one or the other. How do you feel like show jumping is different than eventing? And did you notice like any holes in the jumping side of your skill set that you feel like you needed to further develop in order to kind of perform at a higher level in show jumping? Oh my gosh, a million percent. A hundred percent. Like I thought I used to walk a, you know, a four-star show jumping track, which is 125, and think it was the most massive thing ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, it just, it's show jumping's the last day, and it's desperate and eventing, and you just got to get them to jump clean, and the, that jumps aren't that big, and so the accuracy is, isn't nearly what it is to jump a right. 150 fence or 160 fence, and I remember talking to uh, Will about it, and I was like, man, like, showing like you would think it's more simple it's just one thing and he's like uh-uh you have to have you have to have all aspects of three-day eventing at a higher level for show jumping and i thought about it a, a lot and it's true your flat work has to be good in the in the show jumping to have the right ability i fully believe that a grand prix show jumper is far braver than an advanced cross-country horse hmm. because in order to go down to a jump that big that it's bigger than the horse and jump it while still being careful enough not to hit a rail takes an insane amount of bravery and it's so cool to to be around horses like that and you know and then obviously the accuracy and the precision in in just the show jumping like you have six inches to leave the ground Mm. and you got to place them there properly at the right distance and the right balance and and then, you know, with each different jump and a different combination, it's all different and it's so complex and it's so much fun to figure out. Totally. Would you say that there are a lot of big differences to what you were doing in eventing to what you're doing in show jumping? And let's say the height is the same. Let's say you're doing a meter 25 in both. I mean, I think the horses are very different as well. You know, I... Yeah. I was like, when I was eventing, I'd go to show jumping shows and practice at the height. And, you know, not to take away anything from eventing because you have to be able to have the fitness and the dressage and just the muscular, like, build of a horse between eventing and show jumping is so different. Right. And I found that to be incredibly interesting when I was around, I mean, top, top level event horses. And then to go to a show jumping barn where they're all jumping you know bigger fences but the their their muscle structure is completely different the push off the ground is completely different than a collection Mm -hmm. muscle or a galloping muscle Mm -hmm. you know the fitness of eventing is insane compared to show jumping there's still like it's almost like comparing long distance runners Mm -hmm. versus like sprinters yes a hundred percent and there's still a huge aspect of fitness to show jumping Mm -hmm. but you know it's different yeah, it's very yeah. different. You know, yeah. you're galloping, versus, but the stamina and fitness it takes to jump a whole track of 150, 160 jumps is is incredible as well. It's just different. And so I've found it to be so interesting to find the difference and see what makes the horses tick and which discipline. And, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, there's so many event riders that are so good at going on the final day 
and finessing a horse to jump clean when they are tired and flat from galloping mm-hmm. and you know I mean not many people can do that <laughs> right but you know in the same aspect not many people can place a horse to a huge jump properly right. you know and, and so it's really cool to see the difference and to see I have you know my whole base is in eventing and so I've I know a lot of professionals I've seen a lot of programs and I've had my own programs and to see how that differs in show jumping but also how you can really use the same like Clark and I use so much flat work in the program with the horses from our background and knowledge of dressage to make the show jumping horses go better like I think it's it's really cool to have the knowledge and the experience and to compare and contrast and I just think it's really fun (laughs) yeah yeah I really do think I mean in general the more you know and the more you're exposed to can only help um you know that's why I think like even if it's you hear people say it all the time even if there are things that you learn or hear that you're like okay I'm not going to do that or that doesn't work for this it still is learning and taking on more information to make your program better and better um but yeah I think that that's so interesting do you feel like in um certain ways how has like show jumping impacted your inventing and then vice versa, your eventing experience impact your show jumping? Yeah. You know, I, for a while there, I was actually, you know, I was doing both. I actually in the winter circuit, the probably the two most important classes I jumped on Annie were the futures pre under lights, which is 140, And then the uh, welcome pre, which is 145. And both days I had done a one day on Abe earlier in the day. <laughs> so Uh, to go from galloping cross country where the distance is so different yeah to then having to go and be like just so different in a balance and the stride and the precision and stuff in show jumping was quite tricky (laughs) to say the least seriously you know I think having the bravery and the kind of guts and um like conviction from riding cross country has really helped me in eventing or sorry in show jumping but the show jumping and the accuracy and finesse and everything that I've learned from that has helped me so much in eventing. You know, I'm way more accurate on cross country. My balance is better. It's, you know, but it is, it's different. Like I can see, I count down from six when I go to a fence and I can Mm -hmm. see the six strides out from like double the distance on cross country (laughs) than what I want to be in show jumping. And so that, that, change that change was very difficult for me at first and obviously I'm not really doing it anymore so it's okay but you know you can it's off of a turn and the thing is I think in eventing you have to be so ready for anything to happen you know they could trip and fall or trip not fall but just stumble on landing you have to be able to pick them up and jump the next one and Mm -hmm. obviously that happens in show jumping as well but there's I feel like a lot more that can change out of like a faster rate because of how quick the jumps come up on cross country and in combinations and stuff but yeah there's just more the variables time, yeah mentally though on cross country you can breathe in a gallop mm-hmm. you cannot breathe around a short jumping course right like mentally like it's one after another after another after another and it's only a minute and a half long at most mm-hmm. not even you know 80 seconds is your typical first round but it's a full 80 seconds of absolute concentration right and in eventing it's you know you do get to breathe 
like every once in a while, you know, on your gallops or even in your dressage test when you're walking or in a turn, you know, Mm -hmm. you can just kind of recenter and right. I've heard from lots of, from a lot of people in terms of um, like mindset coaching or training in general, that Mm -hmm. it's like for, for show jumping while you're in the ring, it's basically impossible to really be like thinking through anything differently you want to do, uh, try something different, practice something different that when you are in there, um, because of how quickly everything comes up and how you are focusing in there, there's, and there's how there isn't really time to breathe that like you go kind of on autopilot as far as like what you've, how you've always done things. So it's so interesting, especially in terms of like more in terms of like training and trying to like do something in the warm up ring or if you're trying to like make a tweak that 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 because of like the way that our brain works and because of how quick everything happens there since there isn't any time to breathe, there really isn't any time to make any crazy adjustments like while you're in the ring, which I feel like is very accurate. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. You know, I think the you know I think it's always something you can work for your work towards being yeah, able yeah. to think a little bit more when you're in the ring you know totally. I think like if I go in and and I want to work on this like I tend to really try and pick one thing to work on me yeah, round. I think that's the key I think it is you know it's like oh I'm a, I've been a little deep twice like you got you know I got to be a little bit better next time like I think <laughs> yeah. there is kind of like I've at least gotten to the point where I can think a little bit more about that or mm-hmm. you know okay here's the triple or you know this doubles oxer in vertical out like you got to ride a little bit differently here and so it does take like I think you do need to be able to fire at that quick of a rate but mm-hmm. it is constant firing <laughs> right it's never like a, a reflection really it's what are you going to do next and how are you going to do it better or the same or you know like it is it, you just got to be so focused it's yeah. pretty incredible yeah but as as it is for everything you know totally yeah exactly what would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about something that I've actually found a lot of joy in kind of figuring out is how to make each horse tick and I think in my experience a lot of people will have horses go a certain way you know a little bit you know they ride them all pretty round or they ride them all quite up or there's a little bit just categories that people ride within and I think the biomechanics of a horse are all different and the way they jump what makes them be open behind what makes them be quick enough in front you know how they can use their neck and their back jumping and I think every horse is different you know in the stables we have horses that literally just go around without much contact super up and then other horses that need to be in a package quite round and manufactured. And I think it's really cool to be able to figure out what way each horse goes best and how to make that tick and how us as riders and trainers can help the horses in that way without having it all be under one umbrella. Uh, Like I don't think you can ride two horses the same. And so I think I just find it really interesting to look at just, I mean, I, I'll watch videos and videos and videos. It's mm-hmm. quite obsessive actually of exactly like, you know, I know this horse has a funny pole. So where, where is the pole flexing that might, 
you know, make her jump in this certain way? And how can I ride better to make the pole more comfortable? Right. To make that flexion not happen. Or, you know, like this horse is kind of funny in her balance in her right front. And so how can I make the right front be a little bit quicker in her balance? And how can I place her there? And it's just like, just watching so much and exactly what you can do differently for every horse. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think plenty of people obviously think about that, but that's something that I've found really, really interesting, especially recently is just different horses and how exactly to make them tick. Right. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so crucial in having a successful program is the, the minute you, you hear that a lot, but the minute that you understand that and, and come to that conclusion yourself that, okay, truly every horse I get on needs to be like, I need to reset and I need to like really feel what, what this horse needs in this moment and what, what you like, what you said, like what makes them tick? Um, because they truly are like us, they are unique and have their own strengths and weaknesses and personality. And they, you know, uh, they, they, they really are like us. And so treating them more as individuals and, you know, continuing to have conversations about that, I think is so important because it's not, it, it can't be like a one size fits all type of program because it just, yeah, it, it might work for some horses, but overall um, horses are going to thrive when, when that type of uh, training and work is individualized. Right. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I think your story is so cool and um, so inspiring. I think um, a lot of us maybe think about switching disciplines and and trying something different or you know maybe they have a horse and the opportunity presents itself that it makes more sense to switch the plan and try something different so i love your bravery and i appreciate you and and everything that you've managed to do it seems like um you've been able to find success in in all the disciplines so that's that's really really fun <laughs> and exciting and i'll continue to watch your your journey but i wish you all the best Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and talking to me and listening to the story. And I really appreciate it. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.